Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Kapil Mehta. Kapil is CFO and COO of Allied Digital Services, LLC, based in Southern California. Kapil is a chartered accountant and company secretary from India and a CPA, CGMA, and MBA from the United States. Kapil is passionate about exploring the latest technologies to generate business efficiencies. Before joining Allied Digital, Kapil worked in pharmaceuticals, textile manufacturing, and hospitality. Kapil has over 25 years of experience in business finance, corporate governance, strategic matters, M&A, risk management, measurement, and operations. Kapil has successfully expanded the ADSL business in various countries around the globe, and he has also developed an organizational culture to meet growth and profit objectives. Kapil, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, today's topic is the CFO trifecta, finance, strategy, leadership. And modern CFOs need to be able to excel in and balance all three. And this is such an interesting topic to me, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. So let's get started. Sure, Megan. Megan, my journey starts in India in 1993 when I started my chartered accountancy and uh, uh, wanted to uh, come into finance and accounting career. So I uh, passed out chartered accountancy and then company secretary examinations, which are two professional certification uh, in India, as uh, very well reputed in India. And then I started working with hospitality industry for almost two years, textile manufacturing, uh, looking after finance accounting, regulations, taxation, fundraising, uh, all of uh, these two companies. And then I moved to a a German pharmaceutical MNC based in Goa, India, and worked there for about seven years. Uh, And uh, getting into the pharmaceutical business, nitty-gritty, loan licensing, manufacturing, and uh, many uh, international uh, uh, related contracts and foreign collaboration agreements. After that, I got an opportunity to work where I am today, currently in IT services business. And uh, in this uh, business, I am there since 2010 and uh, managing uh, 2008 crisis uh, started from there and uh, ensuring that uh, company revenues and the AR remains healthy. It has cash surplus. And uh, also we grow globally. Uh, so so I'm, I'm here and we have expanded successfully into different parts of globes. We do have, have offices now in China, Brazil, Japan, Ireland, UK and Australia, and these uh, countries are all uh, being well-managed from here at a very, very minimal cost. So that's a little bit summary about uh, my career. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to go into finance and accounting, even as uh, like uh, in high school or before? No, high school, I was a science and mathematics uh, okay. student, and uh, my father was scientist. Uh, so initial guidance uh, was that I should do and pursue engineering. Uh, But after high school, when I appeared into some engineering exams, I realized that uh, this is something not for me. And uh, I was not enjoying the area. And that's how I discussed with my parents and told them that I want to do something in 
commerce business uh, and then would like to move my line from science mathematics to uh, accounting or commerce area. Uh, because I was not sure I would, mm-hmm. will be uh, going to do a job or business in future, but I thought that commerce will be a great exposure for me, uh, whatever I do in life. And as I get into the, my graduation, uh, Bachelor of Commerce in, from Rajasthan University in India, and uh, that has given me a very good uh, roadmap. And I started loving the subjects uh, as business organization, business laws, accounting, and uh, taxation side, and I decided that I should get a higher education in chartered accountancy, which is a most reputed, prestigious qualification, professional qualification in India. And it's very tough to pass because of their very low result of uh, passing percentage. Yeah. Uh, but but I could do successfully uh, in first time. Uh, that's uh, has given me a confidence that I definitely do like this area and would like to continue and bring efficiency uh, in different uh, jobs, which I do. Yeah, it's a great degree. I, I think a lot of uh, college students don't really realize just how many different directions you can take with it. But um, yeah, it's obviously done you well. Yes. Um, and I'm curious. So when do you dis- when you decide to expand globally, how do you make the decision as to what geography to go into? Is somehow dictated by what kind of uh, job offers uh, uh, comes uh, on your road. And uh, even though you try to move, uh, so I never expected that I will be in U.S. I was always planning because I had a great experience working with German company. So I was planning something in Europe. And uh, there is one more reason that it's much closer to India. So I can mm-hmm. take an old flight and reach India back anytime with my parents. Uh, but after working with Meadows, when there's opportunity, I had two opportunities uh, in my hand. One is to go to uh, Russia to lead a finish, uh, pharmaceutical company as a business controller and uh, basically supervise around six or seven countries. And then I have another option with this company, which uh, was having into crisis in 2008 subprime crisis. After that, they lost a good amount of revenue and uh, as well as account receivable. And there was a challenge. So, so, and then my brother actually, there is a one advantage with me that my brother works in Microsoft and he came in US. Okay. So family advised me that couple, why don't you come in US? US is the most, uh, the biggest country and uh, you will have a tremendous exposure. And uh, this is the challenge which you may take because that, that was a difficult part. So why don't you, why are you afraid from challenge? So you should come and take that challenge and and then see where you can go from there. And that's what, uh, as a collaborative decision, I made along with my family to basically take a U.S. uh, offer and uh, take the challenge to turn around the company successfully. And uh, I could succeed also. So that's that's a happy and rewarding moment for me. Uh, Absolutely. It sounds like you made the right decision, although it is a very long flight back to India. Yes, of course. <laughs> and you've been CFO at Allied Digital Services since 2009, is that correct? Uh, no, I joined Allied Digital Services as financial controller. And somewhat in 2013, I've been promoted as a chief financial officer. Okay. And, and around 2020, uh, June, I've been promoted as a chief operating officer. 
So, so now you hold both titles, the CFO and COO? Yes. Okay. And can you talk to us a little bit about this dual role and how it combines finance strategy and leadership? Yes. So uh, finance, uh, uh, any person who tried to grow into finance and accounting domain and uh, basically add a lot of business insight and understanding uh, automatically start uh, growing into operations, like uh, the key decision-making in operation uh, and working together with operation teams uh, gives them uh, great mileage. And as uh, you know, that finance department have all the data, the all all accurate data, data analytics, and decision-making system. So, so finance becomes a core uh, area, which gives a lot of directions and uh, uh, decision-making ability to organization. So who is in the CFO role? If he gets into deep into operation, uh, automatically this title will flow to them because there are two advantages that the person is also knowing data very well, uh, finances very well, and also operation very well. So decision-making ability for a CFO increases uh, if he is uh, deep into the operation too. So that uh, was a little bit uh, fortunate that uh, I have a lot of, uh, like I'm really very curious and always a curious mind. So I, when I was working with Allied Digital and uh, uh, with a lot of uh, technology leaders in the company, I learned a lot of things from them and basically added value uh, back from my understanding about the operation as well as finance data and which has, uh, I think, uh, given a lot of benefit to the company. So this is the title which came directly from my chairman and board and uh, who noticed uh, I was never looking forward to have because I was doing my job diligently, uh, ensuring that uh, we as a company create efficiencies across the organization as well as to clients' uh, places where we do serve. And uh, and then he said, Kapil, I really uh, want you to take over this position as you understand. And uh, probably from here, you can take the company further uh, on a growth path. Uh, and then that's what uh, uh, I really appreciated. This was a big surprise and reward for me. And uh, I, I took it gracefully and I'm still trying to uh, meet uh, uh, obligation under this role for the company. And talk to us about your proudest achievements since joining Allied Digital Services. Maybe it's been in the last two years, maybe long before. Yes. So my uh, the proudest achievement, which I feel, I don't know what uh, other people might feel, but it's a turning around the company, uh, creating a, a, a very good base of uh, data and analytics around it and ensuring that uh, company remain profitable whatever economy is. So even if it is a downward economy or it's a growth-oriented economy, companies should have always surplus cash accruals, always have profits. So so made all that systems and internal controls and decision-making system in a way that we are very, very flexible and fast decision-making organization today. So we can take uh, like uh, uh, any climate, we can live into it. So that is what I see as a uh, big achievement because it's very difficult and people who live longer in the company can only establish this because they need to go into the deep roots and also ensure the culture which they are, they are trying to drive into the company is, uh, is good enough to give this kind of result. 
So, so we established this culture and culture takes time because people come and go and uh, you have to ensure that uh, onboarding, offboarding and transitioning and your culture do not get disrupted. So your culture remains there and that's how the organization survives. I'm just curious, when you came in, what were the first few steps you took to turn a business around? How do you go about doing that? Yes, so I met, uh, first of all, uh, interviewed uh, most of the leaders in the company, uh, understand their perspective, what are the critical areas are, and what are the areas uh, where we can have some kind of uh, optimization. Uh, also, understanding from uh, different perspective, from different leaders, and working into the data. Uh, and when we I joined, I see that data was not good enough, and uh, data was incorrect and not giving us uh, decision making ability. So first of all, I like uh, parallelly I was doing interviews. Secondly, I was working on the data along with my team to ensuring that I have right accurate data to give me uh, some kind of direction for decision making. So it took about uh, six months time frame when we cleaned up all data and uh, accounting data. When I say data, I mean accounting data, profit and loss account, balance sheets, uh, the customer profitability account, much more a deep dive that where we have issues. So finding out the issues, the problem, and then how we can resolve them. What is the best uh, possible manner we can resolve them? And it required a lot of discussions with many uh, different teams and uh, finalizing that uh, how... Uh, uh, we can come out. So those decisions were made, uh, which uh, I figured it out. And based on those uh, decisions, finally, we uh, brought the company into a uh, uh, profitable scenario. Well, congratulations. It's uh, quite an amazing feat. Um, yes. So you've been CFO now since 2013. How do you think the role has evolved in the time that you've been in that position? I don't think 20 years ago that a CFO and COO would have been the same person. Yeah, so 20 and 30 years ago, uh, probably more concentration of CFO, in my opinion, was on finance accounting, FP&A, regulation, uh, and some financial compliances. Uh, but nowadays, it has uh, evolved into m more creating efficiency into the organization. Uh, efficiency is a very, very like uh, uh, area which basically uh, involved in all evolution. is is a technology, or maybe is HR, or maybe is legal, or maybe is operation. So CFO uh, basically need to ensure that uh, company remain flexible and fast decision-making ability through digital transformation, as well as uh, having the uh, procedures and processes uh, which can provide you fast decision-making uh, by the board or by the by the director. So, and and also along with that, CFO has a fiduciary duties where they have to meet compliances uh, as well as uh, uh, all regulations which are in place for the company uh, and ensure that risk mitigation uh, for the company, either it's a cyber risk or either uh, any other risk which may bring reputational damage or a financial damage to the company. So 
So I would say it's too many things to talk about, but uh, these are the things which are important nowadays for CFO to look at it and see that uh, they are well-versed on knowing something. So I would say CFOs are generic, like they are not a specialist into any area, but they should have a basic understanding to get, go into each area and uh, making sure that uh, company is uh, risk-free or lesser risk. And at the same time, company is profitable with a lot of cash accruals. This is the, I see that as a key area for CFO to concentrate always. Uh, and if a company has a sufficient cash, uh, any kind of risk, better negotiation, cost cutting, everything is possible. So in my terms, I always feel cash is a king and accounting is a spinal uh, code of a business. So as long as your accounting is great, your organization is going to stand uh, correct. And then if you have sufficient finance into the system, then your blood flow will, in the organization will be there in every part of the organization and that will keep organization surviving. And then as a reason, you have your, your brain, basically, you have to look at it, what is the growth uh, opportunities are there and uh, how we can diversify into business, what the new technologies are coming up. So we geared up ourselves from the, uh, by looking next uh, five years, how the market will be behaving, how new technologies will be evolving and bringing challenge or opportunities for the organization. So that is a, a kind of a path which I see uh, uh, in, in CFO role evaluation, where CFO need to contribute. And for the CFOs out there that are stuck in pure finance roles still, what advice would you have for them to transition into more of a people operations and strategy type leader? It's uh, getting involved, getting involved, understanding the business and operation, uh, understanding the different silos in the organization, and also find out how we can integrate better. So as long as if I will not keep myself into finance and accounting silo, and I will see that my responsibilities toward the organization and the best interests of the organization. So once that thought process is established, person automatically will go into uh, different uh, areas and will uh, uh, bring that capabilities uh, uh, in him. And slowly he will grow uh, towards that kind of role, uh, which is beyond the finance accounting and FP&A. That's really great advice. And you've been at companies and you've stayed for significant periods of time. So what do you think is the value in really investing years of your life into a company? Yes. So there is like, I would say there is a one, uh, our chairman, the Allied Digital Chairman talks about ERA is uh, empowerment, responsibility, and accountability. So I see uh, the people who work for the company where they get empowerment, a kind of a belongingness, uh, not always uh, for the money. Money is a critical area, but uh, employment, uh, empowerment, responsibility, and accountability, these three things is very, very critical for any job. So I enjoy the job, which gives me a lot of empowerment to bring efficiencies. Uh, is uh, an organization where no bureaucratic process uh, basically stop you to uh, perform and uh, provide the efficiencies to the organization. So that kind of organization, I uh, really uh, feel that I won't be able to drive 
the business towards uh, profitable growth and efficiencies. And in that scenario, uh, I will be the first person who will be talking to the board to make those changes. If board doesn't uh, do that, then I, I don't stay. Fortunately, the companies where I'm working are like digital. Uh, I appreciate the management who has given us a lot of empowerment and also appreciate it time to time the what efficiencies or what initiatives leadership team brings to the board and how we can perform. So that gives a lot of motivation to stay longer with the company as uh, there is some belongingness. So that's how I stayed with the Allied Digital. And Allied Digital is, again, uh, as we turn around the company and uh, we also working towards the growth. And uh, 2019, like we moved to Ireland to access the European market uh, and uh, UK. And in 2020, we moved to Japan, China, and Brazil, opened our affiliate subsidiary and expanded the and hired the employees into those local areas. So this all given me a lot of exposure and I really uh, enjoy what I do. So so that's why like uh, an organization, if you are staying long, you understand the business better, you understand the operations better, you understand the team better. So you can do a lot of wonders there uh, if you are a longer associated with an organization to develop the culture, develop what you think is uh, important for uh, uh, organization in terms of efficiency and growth along with the other leadership in the organization. So fortunately, our organization is very flexible, very open-minded. Uh, they're willing to accept ideas from uh, leadership as well as uh, all middle management layer. And uh, we do have quite uh, transparent working system and which, uh, which allows me to continue and uh, look for companies' growth. And, and that's what uh, uh, basically uh, uh, gives me a little longer tenure. Also, uh, the company management, uh, when they involve employees and leadership into the sharing the profits by ESOPs and by uh, different kind of a scheme, that's how employees create wealth. And if you are associated with longer term with those companies and working nice, uh, you have a better reward system in place. So that is one reason, Megan, I think I have answered your question. Or, yeah, yeah, you have. Absolutely. And it sounds like your role has continually evolved. And that, uh, yeah, the one constant seems to be change. Sounds like a great place to work, though. Yes, definitely. And you've provided financial leadership to companies in diverse industries. You mentioned pharmaceuticals, textiles, hospitality, now IT services. So what are the common threads and what are the differences between your role in different sectors, if any? Yes. So differences, let's talk about differences first, because common factors probably everybody knows as finance account, direct taxation, analytics, data, some kind of insights which we get from common areas. And that common area helps into operations. So what is the main, uh, like as a, uh, my experience is when I was working with hospitality industry to understand what hospitality industry is all about, what is their F&B department, how housekeeping work, how their cost has been calculated, how F&B menu has been crafted, right? How uh, uh, the room occupation happens, right? What is the travel agent arrangements are? There are so many things to learn into hospitality industry that how their business core model is, right? That the business, how business model work. So unless you know the business model, as a CFO, you can't contribute to the organization better. So my goal was always working with diverse industry to understand their core 
business model. When I, when I say core business model, means from where they make their revenue, right? How they make their revenue, what are the key uh, ingredients for that revenue, and uh, what are the cost components, critical cost components. So as w- when we understand that, that this is a methodology to make uh, revenue and uh, operation, and that is different into each industry. So when I talk about pharmaceutical, it's completely different. There are more regulations and uh, pharmacopoeia uh, requirements are there, right? If I'm supplying in US, I have to have US FD authorization. If I'm supplying in Europe, as a European uh, pharmacopoeia regulations, compliance would be required. India has India. So a lot of uh, regulations and compliances applies into pharmaceutical side. Similarly, how manufacturing happens, how how basically uh, machine, the job process, uh, job order costing, and many other things involved into the manufacturing industry altogether. And uh, when I was working with textile manufacturing, it's completely different, right? What is yarn? What is fabric, right? How fabrics are made, how fabrics are priced, how you will buy that fabric from the vendor. So, so unless you know the uh, critical uh, revenue generation model or operation model, the product and services better, it's difficult to contribute. So as a finance leader, I always considered myself as part of the organization going into deep, having a lot of interviews from different departments in the organization to understand what exactly things happen, how things happen, how money is coming in, right? And how I can make profit and what is my bottom line look like that? How we can improve it? What is the market avenues available? So, so always I looked on to these areas to understand the finance and account and data analytics so I can give right data points to the management for decision making. So this is what uh, the common area is finance account, taxation, regulation, data analytics, give some decision making indications. And then if you know the operation very well, then you can blend them together and give them the best uh, opinion of yours. Uh, And then that works well. And that's how every industry, when you work, you need to have the industry knowledge. You need to have the operation, how, how they make money. That's really interesting. And uh, when I hear you answer that, and I've heard a lot of great CFOs answer that question, but I'm always reminded of the television show Undercover Boss. Are you familiar? Have you ever heard of it? Yes, yes, definitely. That is, uh, I love those kind of uh, serial and it gives a lot of insights. Yeah. And recently <laughs> you see that uh, it's not undercover, even like if you go and work in that roots, like uh, Starbucks new CEO is going into Starbucks, making different coffees and products, right? And uh, looking at each process, how it happens in a Starbucks franchise. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing, right? And that one should do. I, I would say every CFO should do that too, because that's how they will understand and they will work very closely with CEO towards the growth of the company. Yeah. What better way to know your business and your customer than to you know, be out there in the field with with the people at the bottom working. Yes. And I know you've been vocal about the importance of prioritizing cybersecurity. Um, So can you speak a little bit about this? These days, it's, uh, yeah, cyber risks seem like they're everywhere. So cybersecurity came into light after pandemic when attacks have increased uh, many folds. Even the larger organizations uh, getting compromised in their data ransomware and all, and 
uh, being cryptocurrency in the market and is not banned by the government, uh, all hackers were trying to collect money in their uh, crypto wallet. And this was a big, big uh, issue for many companies and companies who are employing thousands of employees. Uh, and immediately this risk comes over and uh, overall reputational damage. Uh, many customers go away. Uh, if your critical data is out, then you have a lot of lawsuits cases and which you have to pay for it. So cybersecurity is one of the most risky area these days, uh, which uh, uh, I think uh, CFOs must uh, uh, take into consideration. Uh, traditionally, CFOs used to involved into cybersecurity insurance purchase, right, or insurance negotiation and buying insurances and leaving everything on CIOs and CISOs to decide on cybersecurity strategies. Uh, it's uh, no more uh, uh, the only CIO and CISO role. Uh, because if you see new ESG guidelines, which are environment, social, and governance, in social aspect, it's data privacy is the key part, which is heavily influenced by cybersecurity. And uh, board of directors, even the key management hiring, is being having a KRA on cybersecurity in coming days, right? And uh, SEC has also. Uh, brought out some regulation about cybersecurity. And uh, so so CFO has a more uh, uh, bigger role now. Uh, I don't say that CFOs need to get into technologies and understand the technology, but they definitely need to understand the risk mm-hmm. uh, uh, profile of their company or organization that how much uh, risk are there and what are the implementation strategy to mitigate those risks and how they will be ongoing basis uh, managing these risks. And this is very, very critical because uh, uh, CFO and CIO or CISO need to work together and ensure that uh, there is a cyber risk quantification that should be done uh, in, a, in a black and white uh, presented to the board. Uh, there are certain cybersecurity, uh, the mitigation plans uh, need to be also approved by the board. And uh, IT department, uh, basically the CIO and CISO need to ensure uh, in the organization that those uh, plans which have been uh, made and approved by the board, uh, there are certain budgets and those money have to be invested. Uh, Some critical digital assets need to be identified or information need to be identified and how uh, that can be secured. So CFO need to be driver there to ensure that uh, these things happen on a pro uh, promptly uh, and also reported to the board and also uh, ultimately implemented. And he also provide the budget according to uh, requirement. So, so that's why I see that CFO in broader role, uh, because if you go today, the cybersecurity insurance these days are very, very expensive insurance. It used to, uh, like it has gone up by 100 to 500%, depending on what kind of risk profile you have in last one year only. Many companies like cybersecurity insurance companies have denied to give them cybersecurity insurance. And if you want to be in business, your customer asks for it that, do you have a cybersecurity insurance or not? So that's why cybersecurity is one of the subjects which uh, I loved it. Uh, I I basically uh, uh, learned a lot of things with my colleague here in my company uh, on our technology side as we provide 
lot of technology services uh, across to many clients. And this is one thing which uh, I see is uh, very close to the financial profession in terms uh, of uh, it, it requires a lot of uh, audit and investigation capabilities also, uh, which is uh, there in CFO blood uh, as uh, they are from that core areas. So I think uh, CFO need to really uh, look at it, this subject very carefully and very closely along with CIO and CISOs. With the price of the insurance getting so expensive, how do you how do you go about weighing the risk with the price of mitigating the risk and deciding, you know, how much is enough security? Yeah, that's a great question, Megan. And this is a very difficult question. It's not easy, and that's why CFO need to participate these kind of uh, company uh, discussions. Uh, that how much is enough, right? What kind of cost benefit analysis is? And somehow, sometime you have to take some risk, right? Because we cannot 100% secure. Even if we spend uh, like all revenue of the company, we, we cannot say that we are 100% secured. And that's also applicable in our own life also, right? Whatever house security we use and whatever money we spend, still we may feel unsafe and there may be un, uh, like uh, lesser, uh, like uh, there may be some attacks or some kind of thing may possible. So what is the good uh, money or what is the uh, benchmark to spend on cybersecurity? So for that also, there are a lot of uh, research and a lot of benchmarking data available in the market is about uh, 12% of IT budget. So, uh, if you are spending on IT about $100, this $12 should go to uh, cybersecurity minimum. Mm-hmm. It may be for 10 for some organization or 8 for some organization. It may be 15 for some organization. But as 12% looks like uh, most uh, appropriate benchmark and uh, uh, identifying the right uh, cybersecurity uh, employees or partners uh, is very, very critical also. Uh, so, so before that, like it's, it's a big subject. There are so many things. So cyber risk quantification is the first thing which uh, uh, the first step for an organization to look at it. And for that, they can engage uh, like many service provider outside who can do that and also uh, give them that risk profile. So once the risk profile is there, afterwards things becomes much easier. And, uh, and, and then you can make an implement or risk uh, mitigation strategy. And in that strategy, you can look at it, what are the critical assets and those you cannot compromise and you have, would have to invest money for it. And there are certain areas where you can look for uh, how uh, or we need not to invest money. Like I, I would say dark web monitoring, these are like things you can avoid for you. Or like if you talk about zero trust implementation, zero trust implementation is must for every organization now. And it's still uh, from the current data, it seems that about 50% or 60% organizations don't have zero trust implementation. It's a very, very critical area, which is a first step to uh, cybersecurity defense. Thank you for sharing that. That's um, very helpful. Couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up. But as you look back on your career, how important were your uh, accounting qualifications? You mentioned you're a chartered accountant and you subsequently at some point went back for your MBA. Is that correct? Yes. A lot of people struggle with the decision to do that um, or not. So talk to us about, you know, what, what role that those credentials and your MBA has played in your career. Yeah, so education is the most uh, important asset in anyone's life. That's what I 
feel and I've uh, taught by my mother that uh, anybody can steal any asset from you, but nobody can steal the knowledge what you have, right? Or experience you have. So, and then she always uh, promoted me that as much as knowledge gathering, study or education you can do in your life, that's the biggest asset, not the money. And that was built in my own like uh, DNA. I always uh, uh, loved uh, reading uh, different uh, books, magazines, as well as my core area. So when I talk about my chartered accountancy and company secretary, uh, I would say these were the most critical uh, education for me where I am today. How I think, what I do, how I can bring value or how I think about efficiency. Everything is learned from these qualifications. When I came in U.S., uh, I always felt that I'm a different geography altogether. Uh, regulations in India and Europe are different than U.S. So I always had a desire to do some local education. And uh, that's how I joined uh, CPA uh, from AICPA. And uh, I completed that. And I really felt very good after that because I learned how U.S. market uh, the different company nomenclatures can be, uh, what are the risk rewards, what kind of a strategy we can make, uh, what income tax, how income tax work, how regulations uh, uh, work, right? And uh, what kind of uh, other philosophy. So most of the things were common, like I would say audit and accounting is quite common, what I did in India and here. But uh, regulations and uh, uh, the business economic environment is uh, the studies about those two subjects in US CPA was very, very helpful for me. So even though I'm well qualified from India perspective as Chartered Accountant Company Secretary, but I strongly feel that CPA has added a lot of information and knowledge and uh, values for me. And then always I realized that uh, people do MBA, right? So I, I wanted to learn and I was very curious that what is there in MBA educated, which I have not basically uh, learned in my CPA. And I've seen many jobs requirement also. Many companies ask for CPA and MBA, very common qualification. So that's created a kind of a curiosity in my mind and I joined MBA. And uh, I would say that uh, there are two aspects, like there are a couple of books, uh, a couple of areas which probably I have I've never given attention in my CA and CPA. Is, uh, is a business marketing and uh, leadership and communication. So these two things uh, I really enjoyed a lot. The rest, a lot of things were common for me because I've already done those education, but it's kind of a good brush up for my memory. So like economics, accounting, business laws were, were quite easy for me to do. But leadership and communication, how leaders think, how what leadership styles are, uh, how you can influence the crowd, how you can uh, uh, basically uh, uh, push through some good initiatives uh, where people uh, basically support you, how you can get support from people. So everything I learned that in MBA and also the marketing aspect, and I really enjoyed the marketing aspect. I was not sure that I can be so good into marketing. And when I was reading marketing and did some projects in MBA, uh, it's... Uh, it's like uh, eye-opener for me. So I would say this qualification and education is uh, unlimited and people should not stop. If uh, they can do, they should pursue. They should spend some time uh, every day for learning something new. That is very, very critical.
life. And uh, I think I have, whenever I read something new, whenever I'm doing something, I always feel that I'm learning something new. Yeah, I'm a big believer that people should be lifelong learners. Yes, yes. I fully uh, support to that. And last question, but there's seems to be no shortage of challenges these days. So as a CFO, what's keeping you up at night? Yes. So, see, uh, we create, we manage a large team, right? And uh, we try to put processes, uh, we try to put uh, uh, internal controls in place, and uh, we train our team a lot. And uh, sometimes when your team... uh, like I always have one thing that when I spend good amount of time for my team, and if anybody leaves from team, that's a that's a little bit risk which I carry on my head. And I really sometimes it disturbs my sleep at night because uh, team is very very important. Without team, I cannot do what I want to do, and uh, I cannot contribute well. And uh, team require a lot of energy, right? So my a lot of time goes into developing the culture, system, and everything. So that is only one part which I feel is a little bit challenging, that uh, how you manage your team well and uh, how you keep them uh, into the processes and everything, how you supervise them, uh, uh, which uh, usually a concern, but I figured it out. And uh, fortunately, uh, I'm very fortunate enough to have the best team members for long term with me. They are also working uh, with a similar tenure as I am in the company. And uh, uh, so, so, so that is one thing which I see a, a risk for us, any CFO. Uh, CFO cannot perform unless they have a great team. And a great team is critical part for uh, CFO success. Yeah. Kapil, you sound like such a wonderful leader. Thank you. And thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and all of the resulting insights that have come from those experiences. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. I wish you and Allied Digital Services all the best as you both continue to grow and evolve. And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personif. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personif can do for you by visiting personif.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personif. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.